to all the kids who survived the 1930s. And the 40s. And the 50s. And the 60s. And the 70s. First, we survived being born to mothers who smoked. And are drank while they were pregnant. They took aspirin. They, they ate blue cheese, dressing, and tuna from a can and did not get tested for diabetes. Then after that trauma, we were put to sleep on our tummies. In baby cribs covered with bright colored lead-based paint. We had no childproof lids on medicine bottles. Doors or cabinets. And we rode our bikes with no helmets. Not to mention the risks we took hitchhiking. As infants, we would, as infants and children, we would ride in cars without car seats. Booster seats. Seat belts. Or even airbags. <clears throat> Riding in the back of a pickup on a warm day was always very special. We drank from the garden hose. Not from a bottle. We shared one soft drink with four friends from one bottle. And no one actually died from this. <laughs> we ate cupcakes. White bread. And real butter. <laughs> we drank Kool-Aid made with sugar. But we weren't overweight because we were always outside playing. We would leave home in the morning, play all day, as long as we were back before the streetlights came on. No one was able to reach us all day, and we were okay. We would spend hours building our go-karts out of scraps and ride down the hill and realize we forgot the brakes. After running into the bushes a few times, we learned how to solve our problems. We did not have PlayStations. Nintendos. Xboxes. No video games at all, and no 150 channels on cable. No movies on video or DVDs. No surround sound or CDs. No cell phones. No personal computers. No internet. No Facebook. We, we had, had friends. friends. <laughs> but we went outside and we found them. We fell out of trees, got cut, broke bones and teeth, and we, there were no lawsuits to follow. We ate worms and mud pies made from dirt, and the worms did not live in us forever. We were given BB guns for our 10th birthday. <laughs> we made up games with sticks and tennis balls. And though, although we were told it would happen, we did not put out very many eyes. We rode bikes or walked to a friend's house, knocked on the door or rang the bell or just walked in and talked to him. Little League had tryouts and not everybody made the team. Those who didn't had to learn to deal with disappointment. Imagine that. <laughs> the idea of a parent bailing us out if we broke the law was unheard of. They actually sided with the law. These generations have produced some of the best risk takers, problem solvers, and inventors ever. The past 50 years have been an explosion of innovation and new ideas. So, to us who were born in the 1930s, the 40s, the 50s, the 60s, or 70s, congratulations! congratulations. <laughs> kind of makes you want to run around with scissors, doesn't it? Hey, uh, welcome to Mountain Park. My name is Alan, and I'm going to tell you why we did that in just a few moments. 
But uh, I wanted to welcome particularly those of you who may be new. If you're responding to our Easter invitation to come join us uh, over these next few weeks, I'm thrilled that you're here. We are in a series entitled The Whole Shebang Part 2. Last year we went through the overall story of God, The Whole Shebang. And this year we're doing it again, subtitling it Getting Into Character. And the idea here is that we are looking at different characters throughout this overall whole shebang story and inviting God to come in and use those characters to mold and shape our character. If you would like to join us on this journey, uh, we have binders in the lobby and they uh, are for you to take and put inserts, page inserts every week for you to kind of participate and remember this journey with us. Today, as Dave said, we are moving into the third tab in the binder, the tab entitled The Messiah. And what we're doing as we talk about Jesus, who of course is the Messiah, is we're not just going to talk about a few characters that interact with Jesus. We're going to talk about five different characteristics of Jesus. We're going to do that over the next five weeks. And so today what we're getting started with is the characteristic of boldness. Boldness. Are you living life with boldness. Is boldness something that just some people have and some people don't? Or is it a character issue for us to lean forward into our life experience with boldness? That's where we're going this morning. Would you pray with me? Father, thanks for the opportunity to uh, gather here to look at your son Jesus. And so, God, there's so many different ways that we could celebrate and, and embrace his character. And so, Father, I pray that this particular peace here would, would, would become clear for us, that you would move us. May we boldly go where perhaps no one has gone before. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, that was interesting. It's the first time I've ever uh, done a Gene Roddenberry during prayer. Uh, it just kind of popped out. Okay, so, uh, uh, so if you were going to design a building, then the first thing that you would do is you would want to talk about it. You would use words and you would say, this is kind of what we want to accomplish with this building. This is the kind of the overall size, and this is what we might want to do here, do there, etc. And then if you want to take it to the next level in terms of clarity of what this building might look like, then you would draw a picture. They say that a picture is worth a thousand words, so you'd want to draw it out and get some diagrams going on. But even that still doesn't give you the full perspective of what this building is going to look like, and so then you're going to want to go to the third stage, and that is to have a model built, a 3D model built, or nowadays we have 3D rendering, so you can fly through the building and kind of see in three dimensions how the whole thing's going to look. If a picture's worth a thousand words, and a model is worth a thousand pictures, and that gives you a better image of how the thing's going to look. Well, as we're going through Whole Shebang 2, we're talking about character. And as we're trying to paint a picture of what character looks like, we can start by talking about it. And we can say, well, here's some aspects of character, and here's some things that I've learned, and things that I've learned from my parents or passed on, etc. We can talk about it. Then we can take it to the next level, and we can kind of have, have a picture drawn. We can write it out. We can look at the written word, which is the Bible that we're looking at today. We can, we can write down some thoughts and some, here's some character issues that I want to pour into my kids. I'm going to write it down. Wouldn't it be great if we could have that third level in terms of developing our character? Wouldn't it be great if we could have a 3D model of what character could look like? And you see, the fact is that we do. We do in the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the 3D model of what character is supposed to look like. As we're looking at characters throughout the whole shebang, 
story, there's always an opportunity for us to identify strengths and weaknesses in these characters. There are things that we want to draw from these characters, and then there are parts where we want to say that wasn't a strength for that person. So we want to kind of be, be uh, kind of looking into, or the people that you know, the people that, that mentor you, that you look up to, there are elements that you want to draw from and elements that you don't particularly want to draw from. Jesus, however, is the ultimate 3D character. Everything, every word, every thought, every action of his is something that we can embrace and model. He is the ultimate 3D character. And in line with our topic for this morning, he was bold. He was a bold man. Now, I invite you to uh, pull out your uh, scriptures. Hopefully you brought your Bibles. I invite you to bring your Bible. We'll look at it together every time we gather here on Sunday mornings. And we're going to look in Mark chapter 11. There were many stories that I could have looked at to kind of pull out or, or highlight the boldness of, of Jesus' character. Uh, but the one I chose to look at this morning is very much connected to what we celebrated last Sunday. It's very much connected to the Easter story. In fact, Mark chapter 11 is the story of what is referred to as Palm Sunday. It's the Sunday prior to Easter and it is the Sunday that marks what is referred to as, that begins what is referred to as Holy Week. And that's where we're launching into here in Mark chapter 11, beginning in verse 1. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and just as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. Now let me pause there for a moment. What I want to draw out here and highlight is that what Jesus is doing here in this chapter is incredibly bold. Up until this point, he has spent most of his time in small cities to the north of Jerusalem. And he has had tremendous influence there, and a, a large number of people have been following him. And if his goal was just to have influence, he could have stayed up in the north, and it would have been tremendously influential. But here this chapter begins, they approached Jerusalem, and this was a very bold and dangerous thing for him to do. Jesus knew that he would have been safe. Good shot. Uh, Jesus knew that he would have been safe if he had stayed in the north. And he knew that it was not going to be safe if he headed into Jerusalem. Jerusalem was the place where the uh, powers of the, of the, uh, where the Jewish powers were. And Jerusalem was the place in the area where the Roman powers were. And uh, what we see in, in his story is that he was bold. He was not a wimp. He would not have been killed if he had not been uh, bold, if he had not entered into a dangerous situation. And so uh, what we find here is, is the tremendous character of boldness that Jesus has as he enters into Jerusalem. This cannot be compared to Gandhi uh, entering into British India or uh, Martin Luther King uh, moving into uh, Washington, D.C. These are people who did amazing, bold things, but in the context of a government with a conscience. This is not what Jesus was doing. He was entering into a Roman-occupied Jerusalem. And the Romans were known for lining their streets with tortured men. 
They did not have the conscience that our modern-day uh, cultures uh, have in terms of government. And so Jesus knew that his life, the life of those he was with, was in grave danger as he, as he entered into this. Much was at stake for Jesus, and he knew this. Let me jump to verse 7. Still in chapter 11. When they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks over it, he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road, while others spread branches they had cut in the fields. Those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. It seems like there's a little bit of a jump in the story here. We have Jesus walking with his, his people, and he uh, gets on a colt, we find from other places in the scripture that the colt is a donkey. It is a young donkey that Jesus is, is sitting on as he enters into Jerusalem. And then all of a sudden there's this big crowd of people cheering, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. How, how do we get there? You have to understand how clear of a message this was for the Jews in Jerusalem. That the Jews had been waiting for their Messiah for centuries. Waiting with great anticipation and expectation. They are in a Roman occupied city and the promise is that one day the Messiah would come and rule the area and be the king of all the kings. And so they are eagerly excited about this. And there is a passage in the Old Testament in the book of Zechariah where it says that the Messiah would come in on a donkey. And so these Jews, they are not missing this symbolism. That's why they jump in here. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They're not, they're not missing a beat here with this. They are absolutely, uh, uh, absolutely clear on what's happening here in this story. Jesus was saying to the Jews in that city, he was saying to the, to the powers uh, in the Roman government, he was saying, I am the king, as he walks in on the donkey. I am the emperor of the world. You can't say Jesus had no guts when he walked into Jerusalem. He walked in with incredible boldness. So let me ask you a question with regard to boldness. Was, was Jesus uniquely bold or was he exemplarily bold? In other words, was his boldness unique to the character that God put in him, just in the same way that we each have different personalities and characters? Or is he an example for all of us in saying we are all to be bold as we move forward in our lives? In other words, is boldness an option? Are we allowed to say, that's just not me? I am no William Wallace. I am no Gandhi. MLK, Rosa Parks, that's just not me. I'm not bold like that. Are we allowed to say that? As a parent, I think back a lot about how I was parented, about previous generations of parenting. This is why I wanted to talk about how different things were in the 30s and the 40s and the 50s and the 60s and the 70s. When, uh, when uh, I was growing up in the 70s and you were growing up in different decades and uh, how different things were. And I've, I, as a parent now, I look back and there are times where I think, 
how could my parents have done that? I mean, in light of what we know now or what we're doing now, it's not a judgment thing. It's just a, wow, how could that has, have happened? I remember uh, our family would go over to my aunt and uncle's house on a pretty regular basis for family gatherings, and you walk into their house and turn left and go down the stairs to this little tiny area in the basement, and that's where we always gathered. I don't know. I've never seen any other part of their house. The only thing I know is this tiny little part in their basement, and we went there a few times a year. And in this tiny little area down in the basement, there were six chain-smoking adults who were hanging out with us in this area. And I'm talking chain-smoking. I'm talking use your cigarette to light the next one. Kind of, I mean, keep the party going kind of deal. And, uh, and so chain-smoking in this area to the point where in this small room, you couldn't even see to the other side of the room. And so, you know, I'd be like, uh, Mommy, if you're still in the room, uh, can I play with this fire stick, please? You know, I mean, it was just a different culture. And I think back to the, the seatbelt thing and the, the helmet thing and the fact that I got to roam around anywhere I wanted in the city and take public transportation, get on buses. When I was nine years old, I could go anywhere I wanted in the city. Wow. And so as a parent... Sometimes I think, what is it that our kids are going to look back on with regard to our generation and say, how did that happen? How could that have happened while I was growing up? You ever thought about that? You ever thought about what might look ridiculous in 30 years? See, the first thought might be, well, nothing. We're perfect. I think that we may be running the risk in our generation of raising a bunch of wusses. Now, here's, here's what I mean by this. Now, I'm, I'm not, barely clap there. I'm not talking about helmets and seatbelts. And, I mean, that's all great stuff. And I haven't seen all the statistics of how many lives have been saved, etc. But kids riding on tricycles don't need to wear helmets. I'm just, that's just an opinion. It's just, as we're over, as we're overdoing our efforts to protect their heads, what about their hearts? What about the courage within them to be bold, to live life boldly? Do our kids know how to live boldly? Do they know what things are worth being bold about? What it means to be, to be righteous in our boldness? What it means to be foolish in our boldness? Are our kids understanding this? Do they, are they willing to embrace the consequences of stepping out and being bold? Are their hearts being poured into? Are my kids learning how to grow up and live dangerous lives for a dangerous God? I sure hope so. See, because Jesus is a dangerous man to follow. And if we want to boldly follow him, we need to have some kind of boldness and danger in the lives that we're living. I think there's some things about boldness that we can learn here in this story in Mark chapter 11. First off, boldness um, does not aim to please. Boldness does not aim to please. I know it's easy to be motivated by a cheering crowd. Whether you're moving in the right direction or not, 
We're motivated when a whole crowd is behind us going, yeah, yeah, you can do it. Go, 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 go. Yeah, I can. Whether it's right or not, we move forward. That's what peer pressure is all about. Jesus here, as he enters into Jerusalem, he is welcomed by a cheering crowd that is absolutely cheering for him. But keep in mind, that is not where his strength is coming from. He is not bold because of a cheering crowd. He was bold long before he entered into Jerusalem, long before he decided to enter into Jerusalem. And if you're familiar with the story, keep in mind what happened with this cheering crowd. Five days later on Friday, this very same crowd was now yelling, crucify him, crucify him. They completely turned their backs on him. They didn't know whether he was or was not the Messiah. They were not the source of his boldness. Contrast that with one of Jesus' best buddies named Peter. And I invite you to go back a few chapters in Mark. Jump back to chapter 8. It's probably not helpful for me to say a few chapters. You don't know where to go. Uh, so Mark chapter 8. I want to read a few verses beginning in uh, verse 31. What Jesus is doing here in verse 31, again, this is a few chapters prior to Jesus entering in Jerusalem. He is telling his disciples about the danger that he's going to experience in Jerusalem. Verse 31. He then began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, chief priests and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and after three days rise again. He spoke plainly about this, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter. Get behind me, Satan, he said. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. Does that sound like the words of a wimp? I mean, imagine, just, just, you can close your eyes if you want, but just imagine the face of Jesus. Imagine whatever image comes to mind, what Jesus looks like. He probably has blue eyes, the only uh, Mediterranean uh, uh, Jew, uh, Middle Eastern Jew in the world who's had blue eyes. Uh, this Jesus that you might have in your, he may have a blurry kind of image and a smile on his face and maybe a glow behind his head. Maybe he's even holding a cute little lamb. And that Jesus might say, please get behind me. Satan? But that's not how Jesus said this. There's no way he could have said it that way to Peter. Get behind me, Satan. These are bold words from a bold and dangerous man. See, Jesus was not swayed even by his closest friend who knew him deeply. Nor was he swayed by this cheering crowd who did not truly know him. Jesus was not shaped in his boldness by aiming to please a close buddy or a distant crowd. Boldness does not aim to please. Now, I, I know there's a natural desire for all of us to, to, to please other people. Absolutely. I, I get that. We all want a pat on the back, and we all need pats on the back. But in order to live life boldly, whenever we take a step of boldness, we are going to tick somebody off. We're gonna, that's why it's called boldness. We're going to have to offend somebody. 
We're going to have to take somebody off uh, in, in this journey. The only way to avoid that, the only way to avoid that tension is to just not live a bold life. And I'm afraid many of us are going through so many of our days without doing anything bold. Now, I'm not saying just to be bold and, and ignore the wisdom and the counsel of those around you. And just to kind of, ah, it doesn't matter what you say, I'm just moving forward. Uh, regardless, I'm just, I'm, boldness is not about being arrogant. It's not about being foolish. Yes, seek counsel. Talk to people that you trust and go through the decision-making process. Absolutely. Take your time if needed, all that kind of stuff. But when you know the direction that God has taken you, when you know the path, step forward. Be bold. Make the step. And don't aim to please. Don't try to please everyone around you. There may be some of you who look at the Mark chapter 11 story and think, well, okay, you're saying Jesus is bold, and maybe in understanding the culture and what's happening around there, this movement into Jerusalem is bold, but it seems a little subtle to me. There's like subtle bold. Walking in on a donkey, that's bold. Okay, okay. Let's jump back to chapter 11 and continue reading to find, uh, for those of you who may not like the subtle boldness, Let's get into some boldness of Jesus that is a little bit less subtle. Verse 15, chapter 11. On reaching Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple area and began driving out those who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves and would not allow anyone to carry merchandise through the temple courts. And as he taught them, he said, It is not written... Is it not written, my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of robbers. This was a bold move. This was a big deal. I mean, he is in the temple, the holiest of places for the Jews. And he's knocking over and telling people what to do and just disrupting the whole thing. This is a bold move. This is like burning a flag in Washington, D.C., this is like desecrating the, the tomb of the unknown soldier. This is a big, bold move. You don't do this. A very bold move. He was mad. He, he wasn't just bold. He was angry, which is pretty interesting when you think about it. Jesus is the 3D model of character, the model for character. And he was angry. Being angry is not sin. Elsewhere in the Bible it says, in your anger do not sin. In other words, when we're angry, we can either sin or we cannot sin. Depends on how we respond to that anger. Jesus was angry. Why was he so upset? Why was this such a big deal for Jesus? Just keep in mind, just step back and look at the whole shebang, the overall story. Is about a reconciled relationship between the Creator God and us. That's what the whole story is about. That's why the Messiah came. That's why Jesus came. And this temple in Jerusalem was supposed to be a beacon, a light, salt of the earth for the Gentiles who were, were around there. Jesus came to be the Messiah for all people, not just the Jews. And the temple was supposed to be a place where the Gentiles, basically there's the Jews, the, fo the, the followers of God, the people of God, and then the Gentiles, which is everybody else. The temple was supposed to be a safe, wonderful place where the Gentiles would look and go, I want a, I want a part of that. 
But instead, because of this uh, money-changing stuff that they were doing in the temple, the Jews were repulsed by the, or sorry, the Gentiles were repulsed by what the Jews were doing in the temple. They wanted nothing to do with it. It was creating this, this greater chasm between the Gentiles and the God who was pursuing them. And that's what Jesus was ticked off about. That was, that was the issue for him. He says, my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations, not just you. This is not about you doing whatever you want here in the temple. He got angry. You do not want to make Jesus angry. This was a, this was a big, big deal. He got He got, he got so angry. This is so centrally important in terms of understanding um, Jesus' boldness. That Jesus wasn't bold in terms of flipping over tables and doing his thing because it was about judging the Jews for buying and selling what they were doing in the temple. That, that wasn't where his boldness was coming from. His boldness was coming from defending the hearts of the Gentiles. Boldness doesn't judge, it defends. Boldness doesn't judge, it defends. So it's not about being bold and saying, I've noticed that you're doing something wrong, and I'm going to be bold, and I'm going to tell you the right way to do this. That's not how we're supposed to act in our families, in our places of work. That's not what boldness is all about. It's not about having the courage to go over and flip people's tables over. Boldness is about finding something to fight for. It's about defending something. It's about defending something that is important to the heart of God. You look at the New Testament overall and think about the times when Jesus was bold. Who was Jesus typically bold with? As you read through the Gospels, he was bold towards the religious, the Pharisees. The, uh, the righteous, the ones who, who thought they, were, they knew too much uh, about God, and they were the ones who, who, who were all about God. He was bold against them, saying, get it right. He was bold to them for the sake of whom? Of those who were far from God. Boldness doesn't judge. It defends So, once again, is boldness an option? Is it an option for us to say, you know, that's just not who I am? I don't think it is. I don't think it is. I don't think this part of Jesus' character is one that we can skip over. I think Jesus is inviting us to be bold as we live our lives. Jesus was a dangerous man to follow. So how might that affect How might that impact how we raise our kids? Are we raising them to make bold decisions? Are we teaching them what things are worth being bold about? Are we teaching them how to be bold? I've got a a mentor, a friend of mine named Scott. He's a mentor in terms of being a parent. He's he's a father. He and his wife are, are parents of five kids. And, and, uh, I call him up and he's kind of my guy in terms of parenting and, and uh, I talked with him a little ways back, and he was sharing a story, kind of confessing a little bit, but sharing a story about a family gathering time that he had. And uh, they had all gathered, and Scott was really upset about something, really upset. 
It, was an, it wasn't like a Jesus anger. I mean, this was a, he was really upset, and, and uh, he started talking with his kids, and his oldest daughter was saying, but Dad, that doesn't explain why, and she was seeking clarity, and she was trying to talk with it, and, and Scott, he just, he just kind of lost it, and he just started yelling at her and pointing and saying, that's not what we're talking about here, and just went right into her. And then, uh, uh, again, he's not a perfect parent. They're saying, wow, that's a model parent, you know. He's just admitting to me this is what was happening. And then, and then one of his uh, uh, younger boys, Ben, who was 11 at the time, he said, uh, he said Dad, um, are you listening to my sister? And then Scott just went, went into him and laid into him and started yelling at him. And then Ben said, his 11-year-old son said, Dad, I don't care how much trouble I get into, but you're not treating us right right now. And that's when my friend, this is why he's my mentor, this is why I like the guy, that's when he got it. And that's when he stepped back. And that's when he, he didn't tell me the story. He told me the story in, uh, you know, honesty about his own uh, uh, imperfections as a parent. But most of all, to celebrate his 11-year-old son, Ben, who had the courage and the boldness to say that to his dad. See, that's the kind of boldness I want to see in my kids. That's what I, I want my kids to be bold, not to judge me or to judge others, but to stand up for what is right. Can Jesus' boldness impact how we raise our kids? Jesus was a dangerous man. He is a dangerous man to follow. How might that impact you in terms of how you live boldly? How might that impact your relationships, the decisions that are before you in terms of occupation in terms of how you spend your time, in terms of um, bad habits that you're struggling with or good habits that you're hoping to enter into? Are you willing to be bold in the place of not having to please all those around you? Are you, are you focused on being bold about, about things that are important to the heart of God, not just about judging people? I have another friend who's uh, part of this um, body, and he's a leader here at our church, and just last week, he decided to leave his well-paying job that he had been at for over 20 years, and he decided to make this uh, leave, to, to leave this company, because he felt like he was bored, that there was nothing bold, there was no longer anything bold for him to do with this company, he felt like God was, was challenging him to move on and do something different. Here in this economy, he leaves a great job. Foolish, bold. If, if you knew him, if you saw the sparkle in his eyes as he talked about this, you would know which one it was. See, when I see that excitement in his eyes, I see Jesus. I see a journey that this guy is on that is character building, and it's inspiring to me. It's awesome. Jesus is a dangerous man to follow. Are we interested in making the dangerous, bold journey of following him? Are you up for it? Let's pray. Let's pray. God, thanks for your example of your son Jesus, what it means to live boldly. And God, I pray that uh, whatever pops into any of the minds here, 
uh, in terms of areas of our lives where you might be nudging at us, drawing us, challenging us. Father, I pray that as we, uh, as we worship with this final song, God, that you would stir something within us, that you would give us boldness that we don't have on our own so that in the end we can look back and say, that was God. People say, wow, wow, that was amazing what you did. And we'd be able to say, we'd be able to give you the glory. Would you come and help us make us more bold than we are on our own? In Jesus' name we pray, amen.